Lord of this world. And Father, we are here to say today that you are sovereign. You are the Lord. In you we trust. In you, Father God, we put all our hope. Father God, we thank you. I just feel it's so important that we esteem Jesus for the Lord and sovereign that he is. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. Oh, Father God, we praise you today. We praise you and thank you, Father God, for who you are, for what you are, for how you are. Oh, Lord, we thank you today. I see Jesus high and lifted up, high above every power and principality and every name that is named in heaven and in earth, every situation and circumstance. Hallelujah, Lord. We esteem you today. Oh, Father, oh, God, we praise you today. Oh, Father, where everyone is running in fear, we stand in faith today, Father God. We proclaim faith today, Father God. Hallelujah, Lord. Oh, Father, your sovereignty. Speak, oh, God, as you wish through the body, Lord, as we just give you time, Father God. Hallelujah, Lord. There will be a lot of people saying a lot of things over pulpits today. And I can only imagine some of the stuff that's going to be coming out over pulpits today. I am going to try as much as possible to say only what God says. Because there will be a lot of human stuff coming out today. It's just the way it is. And I'm going to try very hard for that not to happen as much as possible. But to truly hear God's statement to us as a church in an unprecedented time. And the validity of what is happening is not the question. It is the reaction to what is happening that is the question. What is it displaying about our humanity? What is it displaying about our whole globe of all humanity all humanity is reacting to this first time in modern history so we'll say what God has said in November of last year November 1st of December we were having a prayer meeting here and there was maybe 10 12 people here And we were having, as we have been having, very powerful prayer meetings for the last year and a half. Our prayer meetings are visited upon by God with images, pictures, words, and profound presence at times. I was standing right there. And this isn't the November event from 1918. This is different. I was standing right here. And I saw a picture. And the picture was a great tree. And I told you this already, but I'm going to tell you again because now we're seeing the fulfillment of it. A great tree that went up past my ability to see the top of it. And at the bottom of this tree was a man with a great mallet. He did not have an axe. It was not his intention to cut down the tree. But this great round mallet came and it hit the bottom of the tree and the whole tree shook 
And God said to me, and I can say it's God because I've been walking with Jesus 40 years and I think I'm getting the ability to understand when I'm hearing the voice of God. I don't get it right all the time, but boys, oh boy, I'm, when a time like this, God lets you know it's his voice. Because I stood there for 10 minutes, not able to move, just consumed by this picture I was seeing. And my heart started to race. I started to sweat. And I'm saying, God, do I say anything? Yes. I said, this is what the picture is. That this is the first of a series of global quakings that are going to come on the earth. That was in November, December of last year. Then 20 minutes later, I saw another picture. I'm not trying to play the prophet because there's other people in those prayer meetings that have equally stunning pictures about what God is doing. I'm just telling you how this one relates to where we are right now. That there was a judge putting his hand over his desk. He's up on the big desk and he's putting both hands down like that. And he has verdicts. And he's handing them to the bailiff who takes them. And, and he said, the verdict has been set and it will not be rescinded. We know what rescinded means. It means it will not be changed. What God is doing, God is going to do. And no prayer of saint nor sinner is going to change it. God is bringing judgment on the earth. Now, I won't so much say judgment, I will say shaking. Judgment is yet to come. Shaking is what causes us to all of a sudden find out what's strong in us and what isn't strong in us. It makes us look at things that maybe we never looked at before. We all of a sudden find out in a hurricane that our shingles are not on properly because they're now a mile down the road. We discover that our siding is not on properly because it's going like an accordion on the side of our house. These shakings cause us to look at things that maybe we were not looking at and we should be looking at. And that's what the world is doing hopefully right now. I hope there's some people laying their heads down at night wondering about their mortality. Wondering about what can they trust in. I was in the gro- you've, you've seen it. I've been there. I was in the grocery store. Everything gone. Stuff is, now it's going to come back. We're lucky because there's another truck coming tomorrow. So let's just calm down, folks. There will be toilet paper tomorrow. Just calm the heck down. And I was talking to Stephanie yesterday, and there's a, actually there's a study that is starting to look at our reaction to this whole situation and somebody has got to underst- find out why the single item that we think is most important at this time of the world going into the situation it is, toilet paper. And, uh, and it's, a, it's, it's funny 
But it's also very telling. Is that how easily we're fooled? Because CNN or somebody showed somebody with running with some toilet paper and everyone sat there and said, I think we need to get toilet paper. And it just took over. Because you know and I know there's no logical reason why they should be getting toilet paper. The virus isn't even a direct... It doesn't cause that. So you... There's just no reason. I think I'll go out and buy pencils. And everyone's buying pencils. It's the same irrational thing. It has nothing to do with the condition. What we are seeing is how easily the whole world can be tricked. And you think the devil's not going to use that? What we're lucky for is that this whole thing is not attached to a people group. Because we'd be hanging them from trees. Oh, we wouldn't do that. We were doing it down in the southern United States, lynching people. And in Germany and all these other places, when things start turning to a people, it's going to be a problem. Well, that'll never happen. Read the book. The book says that a people group are going to be targeted. And you know who they're going to be? Christians. Get ready. Pray it's not in your lifetime. I don't want it to happen. I don't want it to happen. But it is a reality. And the whole New Testament is full of it. It's, there's no reason we should be ignorant about it. Right now, they're running after toilet paper. Who knows down the road? I'm not trying to be alarmist. I'm just saying we are seeing the beginning of something here. We already saw what they were doing to Chinese people because they thought it was the Chinese. And nobody would talk to them and people were segregating themselves from Chinese people and it's over in China. That's how easy it can happen. The world is absolutely consumed and are being shaken. And I want to talk about what cannot be shaken. What cannot be changed. This is a celebration day. This is a day of celebration. It really is. Hebrews 10, 14, 11 to 14 says, Under the old covenant, the priest stands by the old covenant. That means in ancient Israel, when they would go, and every year they would, at Passover, they would go and take a lamb or whatever was prescribed. And they would go and offer this for their sins. And they had to do it every year. And actually they did it many more times. They did it daily in some cases. Depending on where you were and the clan you were in and what you believe, frankly. But there was always this sacrifice for sin being offered. So under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. Now, two problems. The world doesn't know a thing about old Jewish custom. You talk that to them, they have no idea what you're talking about. 
We understand it because we've been educated in what the whole gospel message is about and what the Old Testament meant. And it also said, would take away sins. You say that to the world and they go, sins? What's that? Outside of murder, and even that's being justified in certain cases, you can do just about anything you want as far as how you want to live your life. There's some kind of limitations on when you're hurting other people. But for the most part, the way you live, what you believe, there is no guideline. The moral guideline in our society has disappeared. And we are seeing the result of it, not the coronavirus, but we're seeing the result of it in our world. People don't know if they're men. They don't know if they're women. They don't know what their gender is. They don't know, they don't know anything. They don't know if they should be married to one person or if they should be in a polyamorous relationship where you can have two families living together and it's, uh, it, it, they, it's gone. They don't know. So the only thing they're left with is what feels good and right. You were there. You lived that way. I lived that way. Dangerous way to live because I was on the way to drinking myself to death. So it's a dangerous way to live to just do something just because it makes you feel better. Because feeling better is not what God's after. God is after us finding truth. And out of truth will come feeling better. That's where it comes from. So all these sacrifices were meant to do was to take these people and say, I'm a sinner. And I need God's forgiveness. And God said, well, here's what I'll do for you. As long as you're willing, as long as you're willing to confess when you come to this altar with your offering that I am here. They're not there just for some ritual, though it did just turn into that. And God knew it. Just some ritual of going to church. Just some ritual of taking your sacrifice and just living any old way they wanted to. This is what brought judgment on Israel. They were bringing these sacrifices up saying, well, everybody else is doing it. I guess I better do it because everyone will think I'm weird if I'm not doing it, so I better do it, and they might judge me. Not understanding that God is watching. And they would do their little thing, and then they'd go back and worship the idols they had in their home. They would cheat their laborers from their pay. They would lie about their neighbor. They would cheat in adultery. And God saw this. You guys have read the Old Testament. You, you, you see God's just railing all through the Old Testament. You come to me with these offerings, but yet you go and do all these things. Uh, the first chapter of Isaiah is listening to it this morning. He said, I don't want your solemn assemblies. I don't want any more sacrifices. I want righteousness in your behaviors. That's what God's after. But for those that would come every year and they would go, Father, I know who I am, I know what I am, and I give you this to express my repentance for it. And God says, thank you, you are atoned for. And then you go another year, and then you come back and do it again. Then something amazing happened. But our high priest, Jesus Christ, offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. Good for all time. 
Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. There he waits until his enemies are humbled and made a footstool under his feet. Who are his, his enemies? Sin and death. That is Jesus' enemy. You are not Jesus' enemy. They are not Jesus' enemy. People who don't know Jesus are not his enemy. People think that this is a reason to hate people or something. That we're going to go and crush this country and we're going to crush this godless country underneath our feet because we are godly. All those missiles that were sent over to Iraq with scripture written on them. Yes. It's ridiculous. Because we are the righteous nation and we are going to kill these enemies of God. The Syrians coming over here, taking our jobs and coming and are going to supplant our country and culture. They are not our enemy. And they are not God's enemy. Sin and death is God's enemy. And Jesus, what did he do to sin? He puts sin to death. So this is amazing. The sin that was on you and the sin that was on me and the sin of the whole world, Jesus put to death on the cross with him. Put it to death. It's gone. And he only had to do it once. You don't have to go every year and crucify Jesus again. He is sitting in heaven now with God, being an intercessory person for you. He is atoning for you right now, every minute, every second, every minute. You can say, I need that forgiveness. There. I need that forgiveness. There. It's there. Instantly. Instantly. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to go to Jerusalem. You don't have to kill a cow. You don't have to do anything. You just have to ask for it, and it's there. This is unshakable. This is unchangeable. This is eternal in heaven, and it's there for you and I. For by that one offering he offered, he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. And this is something we just have to get our heads around. You are perfect in God's sight. The world will do everything it can to tell you that you are not. The devil will do everything he can to tell you that you are not. Yeah, but I have this addiction. Yeah, but I have this problem. Yeah, but I have an anger problem. Yeah, but I have a lust problem. Yeah, well, get in the wagon. This is why Jesus died. This is what the atonement's for. This is why Jesus came. So that you as a drunk, me as an addict, you as a, an adulterer, you as a, a, a murderer, whatever it is, Jesus is saying, come on over. You're why I came. Because I love you, I know you're a sinner, and I've taken care of that. Now I want to restore you. Now I want to bring you into your right place with me. I want to dry you up. I want to get your marriage healed. I want to get you out of prison. I want to get you walking the walk that God designed you to walk. This is a powerful thing. But we just sit in it. I'm not good enough. Look at how bad I am. I'm not dressed the right way. I'm not living the right way. I'm not acting the right way. God knows that. He knows it. And he still died on the cross for us 
And he still called you when he called you, and he's calling you today to come into an even deeper relationship with him. Because as, I don't know, you've been walking with Jesus 50, 40, 30, 20, 10 years, whatever it is. As you get closer to Jesus, you will see more darkness. You will see more of that. You will say, oh, I'm really like that. Oh, and then you might even have somebody in the church come say, I need to talk to you about some of the stuff you do. And you go, oh, it's, you know, get a little bit closer. That's not what church is for. It's supposed to encourage me and lift me up. Well, yes, but sometimes it's there to also correct us and to bring us into higher levels of truth and understanding. God will not, God's not going to just let us go. It's not, oh, your mind now behave any way you want. He wants to bring us into righteousness. And that doesn't mean some haughty sense of perfection. It just means he wants to bring you into a, uh, behavior that you're acting the right way so that you're living healthy and you're, re- you're reflecting him healthy. Hebrews 10, 15 to 18. This is so beautiful. And the Holy Spirit also testifies that this is so, for he says, this is the new covenant. Now, this is God speaking. This is from the Old Testament, but the uh, book of Hebrews is bringing it forward because it's active now. This is the new covenant I will make with my people on that day. What day is that? That was the day that Jesus came and the day that Jesus died. There was a new covenant. It says the covenant written in the blood of Jesus Christ. This new covenant. What's a covenant? It's a deal. I'm going to make a deal with you. I'm going to promise you something. Here's what I'm going to do. He didn't ask us to promise him anything. He said, I'm going to promise you something. And here's what I'm going to promise you. I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Before in the Old Testament, they never had that. So God had to lay down some savage boundaries just to keep sin even remotely contained. If you do this, we're going to take you out into a field and people are going to take rocks and they're going to go over to you, and they're going to literally, it wasn't like standing back and throwing the rock over like that. They would take the rock, and they would go up, and they would pound them on the head. And that's why they t- when the Apostle Paul was watching the stoning of Stephen, it said he was taking their cloaks because the blood would spatter, and they didn't want to get it on their clothing, God forbid, while they were taking a rock and hammering it into somebody's head. And, but nonetheless, God was saying, this is how grievous sin is. And this is the threat level that I have to put in my people just to stop them from killing each other and robbing each other and doing all these things because sin was so powerful. It is. It's powerful. What is it they say? You know, a lie is five miles down the road before truth even gets out of bed. Every time there's a piece of technology created, within two or three weeks, they have some evil way to use it. And all of a sudden, you're you're losing your whole life savings because you bought something on eBay. Like, people just know how to manipulate for evil. It's unbelievable. We are absolutely soaked in evil. Our society is toxic. Don't worry about the coronavirus. Worry about the sin that, and the disease that you're born with. This sin, 
this disease of sin and evil that draws us that you have to take a kid and you have to beat the child just to get it to, not, to do the slightest thing right. It shows itself in, in babies. This proclivity towards sin. We are toxic with it. And that's why people read the Old Testament and they go, oh my heavens, I can't believe God would do that. God is trying to save them from themselves. Because it's the only language they would hear. Because they never had the spirit of God or the love of God in their heart. But what he's saying is that I'm going to come along and I'm going to change all that. I am actually going to come in and put my spirit in your heart. And once I do that, something profound is going to happen. The laws will be on our heart. And it will be in our mind. That's why all of a sudden, you notice when you become a Christian, you were doing something before you were a Christian, and then you become a Christian and you feel uneasy about it. Well, what's that all about? Oh, that's just because they're sitting in a room and everyone was making them feel guilty. No. No, that's not it at all. That's because God comes in. You receive the Holy Spirit as soon as you accept Christ. You don't, it's not a second experience. That's an empowering. That's something different. When you accept Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit. He will come later on and impart onto you power for specific giftings. Might be tongues, might be prophecy, might be helps, might be evangelism. And most of the time, you will have some kind of a dramatic reaction to that. Because the human body is not used to the inhabitation of the power of God. So we shake and strange things happen. But the fact is, when you accepted Christ, you received the Holy Spirit. So don't think you have to have some second experience in order to receive the Holy Spirit. What a horrible thing that is. So many people live under the condemnation of that. They think because they don't have this experience that somehow they don't have God. And there's actually denominations that, that teach that. And then it says, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. And you know what's at the end of that? A period. It, no buts, no ifs, no whens, no ends. He's saying, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. Now that is something you and I need to get a hold of because what's the only thing that will stop you from entering into the mission and the purpose that God has for your life and how many of you really want to move into God's mission and what he has for your life. I mean, we all want to do that. We all want to grab the hammer with dad and help him fix the car, right? And dad loves nothing more than you there, even if you're in the way. I mean, you guys, some of you have children and, the, you know, they're trying to help you bake and it's like, oh, you just put like, no, that doesn't go in yet. And blah, 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 blah. But the greater thing is that they're helping and you're having relationship. You're building relationship. God wants you to come and help him do his work. He wants you to get involved in prayer. He wants you to get out there doing stuff with him. And if you do it wrong, well, so what? God will let us know. He'll fix it up. But what happens is we keep on thinking, oh, I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready yet. I need to get rid of this thing. And the devil will do a wonderful job of saying, well, I still haven't got rid of this in my life. When I get rid of this in my life, then I'll be ready to do God's will. 
if this wasn't in my life, then I'd be able to go on the mission field. And, da, 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 da. and it's a lie. It's a lie because apparently what God says is that I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. So why are we doing it? Now, I'm not saying that if you're out robbing banks or if you're out cheating on your wife or if you have a propensity to steal, I'm just going to take these pencils from the office. I'm just going to maybe that receipt that I should, you know, it really isn't work, but I'm going to put it in and say it is work just to get reimbursed. You think God's not watching that? It's the small things. He's watching them. Now, I'm not saying you just ignore those, and I'm not saying God is ignoring those. But what he is saying is if you bring that to me, there's somebody sitting in heaven who has already paid the price for that, and you can be atoned and forgiven for that. If you're willing, if you're willing, because I'm willing to forgive it if you're willing to confess it. I'm willing to forgive it. Listen, I'm ready. It's done. It's already done. If you want to, and you come to me, and God says, fine. And then you carry on towards your mission. Many people, I can remember being in the prayer line years ago when I used to do a lot of preaching at churches, and I'd have 100 people or more lined up, and I'd have to pray for them, take their hands. And sometimes you'd take their hands, and I don't know if I was getting it from them or if it was coming from me, but some pretty crazy things would come into my head. Not nice things. And I just, I said, God, what do I do? He said, do this. So I let go of their hands. I turn around and I say, Father, make this holy. I give this to you. I put it under the blood of Jesus Christ. Make this holy, but it's not going to stop your ministry. And then I go back and then you prophesy and you do what you're going to do. It's instant. It's there every time you need it. It's whether or not we're going to, to actually take it. And when sins have been forgiven, there is no need to offer any more sacrifices. It's done. I don't know what you think you need to do. I don't know how badly you think you need to beat yourself. I don't know what emotional verbal scourging you feel you need to go through in order to be in a place that God can use you, but it ain't in the book. He's saying because there's nothing you can do that can make you any more acceptable to me than what I have already done. Now, you might get accept more acceptable to yourself, but we gotta, this is where we have to get a, in touch with the book and realize that God sees you as his beloved son. Yeah, but look at the, look at the state I'm in and look at the mess I've made out of my life. And look, yeah, you're still my beloved son. How many women who have had kids, murders, go to prison? Do they stop visiting them? Do they stop seeing them as their son? They go up there and they might point the old finger at them every once in a while, but nonetheless, they continue loving them. A pastor I know, his son just came out as gay. He was the youth leader. And I said, what are you all going to do? I said, I said, what you need to do is you need to go to that boy and you need to love him and you need to tell him that he is still your son, that you still love him, and nothing is going to get in the way of that. God said there is nothing that is going to get between you and the love that he has for you in Christ Jesus. Nothing on earth, nothing in heaven. Doesn't matter how bad your life is. God loves you, and he wants you to come into a fullness of the knowledge of him. And none of us have really come into that yet. We're on our way. And it says in the end, we will see fully, more completely once we get in heaven. But we're all on our way 
to discovering more about God. And so we have to, we have to be willing to accept that. We're going to do communion. And I want to do communion different today. I want people to go to the back, and when you get it, consume it in the back. And then I want you to come up the front, and I am going to anoint with oil today. And to anoint with oil, and all God told me was for service. I don't totally know what that even means. He does. I don't have to know his business all the time. And he said, just anoint for service. Now let's talk about this communion for a minute. This communion, what does communion mean? Communion means that if we take it, that we understand what it is. It is the physical reflection of what God has done. The body broken, the blood shed. When we go up and take that, what we are saying is we are saying we recognize that we are sinners saved by grace. And that we are going up as a celebration. We are going up as an act of acceptance of that. We are going up as an act of agreement about that. And we are taking it and saying, Father, I today receive your forgiveness. I receive it. And that's why it probably needs a little bit of thought before you go up. Not hours, but a few moments. Father, is there anything I need to confess to you right now? Understand we're not perfect. But God may bring something to us that needs something he wants to address right now. And we just give it to him. But we need to have that process of understanding we are broken, sinful people. But we are also the saints of Almighty God, the redeemed of the earth. Some say we are, you know, saints saved by grace. And and that's true. But we are, you know, saints still struggling with sin in some cases. That's the better definition. Saints still struggling with sin. Because it's still alive. You cut down a tree and it still grows for a while. Leaves come out. still there. It's just the nature of the world we live in. But in going, there needs to be an understanding of what you're doing. If you have not had a personal place or time in your life where you said, Jesus, come into my life. I want to have you as Lord and Savior. That's not for you. This is for people who have done that. Who understand what that is. But if today is the day that you want to say, Jesus, come into my life as Lord and Savior. I need you to forgive me. And I need what that represents. Then that is for you. That's what it's for. So I would ask, we'll start the music and uh, whoever's doing the communion to go back and serve it. We're just going to say a prayer here first. And then just come up the aisle and I will anoint uh, with oil. And Father, we thank you for what you have done for us. While the whole world is shaking out there. And Father, there are some scared people out there right now. But Father, we are going to celebrate the one thing that is eternal, unshakable, unchangeable 
Father God. This ritual that has been done for the last 2,000 years through wars, through persecutions, when your people were being chased down and killed, Father God, they would get together and they would celebrate this. When everything else was gone, their property, everything they had, they would get together and they would celebrate the one thing that cannot be taken. The world never gave it to us, and the world can't take it away. So, Father, we celebrate this emblem today, the bread that was broken, representing the body that was broken. Jesus, you being broken for us, taking the weight of sin upon your body, the punishment of sin on your body, the actual temptation and all of the calls of sin, you took it on and you never sinned for us. So you could be that perfect sacrifice. And the blood that was shed, that blood that represents the life that you gave, you gave your life. Something had to die. The price of sin is death. You said it in the Old Testament, Father. And the death of Jesus Christ was the death that was the final death. It was the atoning death for the sin of humanity. No more sacrifice is needed. And that covenant you wrote with your blood, Jesus, we now celebrate as we go and take this emblem. In Jesus' name, amen.
want to sing a song. Can we just go into the next song, Liz? I just feel to do this song today.
Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Some business to do here. How you doing, Harold? Good to see you. Yeah. Do you want us to pray for you, Harold? Harold, can I tell our history, Harold? Go ahead. I used to, when I first came to my faith, uh, I used to go up to Tim Hortons in Spryfield. And I'd sit there and uh, talk about Jesus all night because I got off work at 12 and just talk about Jesus all night to people. They'd come in and people got healed, people got delivered. It was amazing stuff that happened during that time. I lasted for about three years. And one of the people who came in was Harold. And uh, you kind of liked it. You kind of took it for a while. Um, But uh, he was there. He was listening. Um, uh, But Harold's had a rough life. Made some tough choices. And uh, he's here today to change that path. He's here to change that path. And can you, are you able to stand? I know your legs are rough. Can you stand? Well, you don't have to. No, you don't have to. Yeah, it's okay. Just sit. Okay. There you go. Um, I'm just going to ask you a question. Do you want to have Jesus come into your life? Are you, do you understand today that you need Jesus, that you've made some wrong decisions and you need Jesus to fix them? We, uh, we talk every day. Amen. Right. Okay. Father, you have heard the confession of this man. Amen. And Father, I believe this is a day of destiny yes. for Harold. Yes. I believe, Father God, that you have days yet ahead for him. Amen. You have a new path for him. Yes. And Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I lift this alcohol off him. I lift the addiction off him that has had him trapped and that lied to him, promised him something that it never delivered, and Father brought such destruction to the hopes of his life. I restore him today in the name of Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit that you come upon him. And that from this day on, he will be a new creature in Christ. And Father, we stand as a body of believers. And we ask angels, you go and take authority over the uh, dark dominions of the enemy that would have come and tried to entrap this man. We break their hold in the name of Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Father God, for this man's life. And we thank you that he is your son, our brother, and loved. Ah, look at that, Harold. This is wonderful. Well, 40 some odd years. 40 some odd years. It's amazing. <laughs> yes. And we won't talk about that. Don't talk to Harold about that. What was in jail stays in jail Okay. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, he knew me when. Wasn't pretty. But uh, anyway, uh, great time to take up an offering. Uh, we'll just play that music. You know how.